Fiona. What a great passage of scripture. And uh, it's one that I really enjoy reading. And uh, I trust that if you've taken time to uh, read through the book of Colossians, that even this passage might have jumped out at you and, and made you praise God for his son Jesus. But uh, it, it's good to uh, be reminded of what God the Father has done through Jesus Christ because so many people today are looking for a good Samaritan type Jesus. Do you know what I mean by that? What did the good Samaritan do? He stopped by the road and helped that guy who had been beaten up and left for dead and took him to an inn and told them to look after him. Well, a lot of people today are looking for a Jesus just like that and they'll only pray when they're in a, in a state of need and they'll expect God to just come down and fix them just like that or change their circumstances. And so I call that a good Samaritan type Jesus. But uh, they don't accept him as being God or Saviour or Lord or even recognising him as judge. So my question then is, what is your understanding of who this Jesus is? Who is he to you? So in this passage from Colossians, Paul gives us a very clear understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. So we're going to do some show and tell. We ready for show and tell? very beautiful lady and it isn't my wife even though she is but I wonder if you might recognize this person I don't know if any of you have actually seen this person maybe you have who on earth is this how many have actually seen this person in the flesh look at y'all can you say who this person is for me then, please? Her Majesty the Queen. Hey, we've seen a lot of her lately, haven't we? Although maybe not as often as we would have liked, you know. She is getting on in years. But isn't she gorgeous? Yeah. I trust that some of you ladies will take note. At 90 years of age, she's still looking pretty good, isn't she? But she's older than that now. But would you say this is an exact image of the Queen? Yeah. Even for those who have never actually seen her in person, we've seen enough photographs and, and all the rest of it to know that this is the Queen. God save the Queen. One thing that I've noticed, you know, I remember when I was a kid in school and we had to do all the things about, we used to pray for the Queen often. And yet today, I doubt that we even think about praying for the Queen. And yet if anybody really needs prayer these days, it's the Queen. I mean, she's getting on. I won't say what I'm thinking about the next person coming up or anything. So there. So here we go. 
more show and tell. Oh, my goodness me. So what does a mirror actually do? It gives us an exact image of who we are. Although it turns us back to front. I mean, when you ladies, were, when you're first trying to put your lipstick on when you were younger and looking in a mirror, where'd the lipstick go? Because it was all back to front on this. And us guys, very rarely do we even bother to look into a mirror. I won't go down that path. But see, Jesus is the exact image of God. And the Bible tells us that in John chapter 1, that the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He is the firstborn or preeminent one or the supreme one over all creation. And uh, we know that, that God may, uh, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all one. And at creation, they said, let us make man. But before that, what happened? How did the world, according to a, a Christian belief, come into being? God spoke and said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. We're not seeing too much of it today, but the light's still there. It's shining somewhere in the world today. I'm actually shining here, but we just can't see it. But God spoke, and whatever he said came into being. And when he made man out of dust of the earth, it says uh, when God spoke... Life came to the earth, and when he made Adam, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So not only is God speaking, but by his spirit he's breathing life. And that word, oh, this excites me. This is why I love speaking about Jesus and about the, the, the Godhead. That word continues to work today because the Bible tells us that the word that God speak will keep on working till it's all accomplished. And it's being accomplished even today. That word that was spoken way back in creation is still operating today. It's an ongoing word. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of the word of God. It is still active today. I mean, you're alive. Well, I hope some of you are. Haven't nodded off quite yet. But God is at work. And, and the fact that, that being in, part of the Godhead and, and, and there, everything was made through Jesus. And... Uh, It says in these last days, in Hebrews chapter 1, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed 
heir of all things. And through also he made the universe. The sun is the light or glow or radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the word of his power. What an amazing God we've got. But then it says uh, in... uh, that uh, it includes when it says that nothing was made that has been made, it includes things in heaven, that is the angels, the on earth, visible and invisible, which we read about and proclaim together, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and it's the source of life and for him. So when it talks about Uh, all these things of creation that God made, he made all the angels. You knew that, didn't you? They weren't just there, but God made them all. And he even made Lucifer, who was one of the three most prominent angels around about the throne initially. But then Lucifer got proud and wanted to sit on God's throne. He wanted to become like God and thought that if he could get there, eh, ruler of the world. But God threw him out of heaven. And a third of the angels went with him, the Bible says. And all the time now, the enemy is trying to get back into power and he's trying to use you and me to do it. Because being children of God, he thinks, well, if, we can, if he can uh, influence our lives to deny God or turn away from God, that might give him the power to get back up onto that throne. But he didn't read the end of the book. It says, as far as I'm reading, it, the Bible says that he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. Read the end of the book. But God in his creation, he made all these Uh, powers and uh, these ones that came into being. And I just want to uh, share a little bit that came to my mind as I thought about that. And uh, Pharaoh came to mind. Do you remember who Pharaoh was? And who spoke to Pharaoh and said, let my people go? Moses. Okay. I don't know if you know this, but in both Deuteronomy and in Romans, This is what God says about Pharaoh. I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show mercy on some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. So isn't that interesting that God actually chose Pharaoh for that purpose and for that time. You think, but why Pharaoh? Well, so the name of God would be glorified. Isn't that amazing? See, God can look at powers and raise up powers and he can take powers down. Now I thought of another guy, and this guy always intrigues me, Nebuchadnezzar. That's a good name, isn't it? I thought of naming one of my boys that, but my wife talked me out of it. I don't know why. It's a good name. Is Nebuchadnezzar here today? Yes. 
But Nebuchadnezzar, he uh, defied God. He was a very powerful man in his time and took over a lot of the uh, known world at that particular time. But because of his pride, God dethroned him. And the Bible tells us that for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar was made to go out into the field and eat grass like an animal. And it says that his hair grew so long that it looked like the feathers of a bird. And his fingernails and toenails became so long that they were like the talons of a bird as well. Seven years he was doing that. Isn't that amazing? But then he, he came to his senses and something changed in Nebuchadnezzar. And he was brought back to the throne, but not until he declared this. This is what Nebuchadnezzar says about God. His dominion is an eternal kingdom. He does what he pleases. I praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. What a turnaround for Nebuchadnezzar. And I look at what he says and and how he acts after that. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we don't see Nebuchadnezzar up in heaven because he acknowledges God as being God over all. What an amazing man. But then his son, Belshazzar, he wasn't the spitting image. I don't know why we ever use that illustration. It's terrible, isn't it? Or chip off the old block. Or we even use that one, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But Belshazzar was not like his dad when it came to the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life. Because the Bible tells us that Belshazzar was full of pride and arrogance and decided to have this great party. And uh, not only was he having this great party, but he took the the gold and the silver and the precious things, the holy things that they had taken from the uh, temple in Jerusalem. And they started drinking out of those and and worshipping the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and all of that and denying God all over. And then a finger started writing on the wall. Many, many tekel you fasten. And when Belshazzar saw that, the Bible tells us that his knees knocked together. He was so afraid of what was going on. So he called Daniel in and Daniel interpreted and said, Belshazzar, you have been, the, been weighed in the balances and found wanting. You've done what's been wrong in God's sight. That night, Belshazzar died. God will raise up authorities and he'll pull down authorities. And then we can talk about Darius, who did what was right. And then we come against Cyrus. This is all in the book of Daniel, if you want to read about this. But do you know that Cyrus, as as being a, a great person in his time, he was actually named 200 years earlier by name to Isaiah before he was even thought about. 
God already had it in mind to raise up this man and put him in power and authority. That's our God. He can do that because he's God. And he's brought you here for such a time as this. Isn't that amazing? God is in control. And uh, it's great to know that. But it also says that, that Christ is the head of the church, the body. So what's the church? I mean, I was over at Sunshine Beach, and that's a beautiful church over there. You've been to that one there? Sandstone and nice and tall and everything. Beautiful church. Come here, and this has been done on a more modern style. But you can go to others and cathedrals. and that. Is, is that the real church? Then what's the church? We are the church. That's it. And so... Uh, listen to this, what the Bible says about us being the church. I don't know if you'll really like this bit, especially the last bit. Romans 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, or vice versa and all of that, but we all have different functions even within our own body. So in Christ, though we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Do you like that bit? Look at your neighbour and say, I belong to you. (laughs) Some of you aren't turning. Hmm, okay. We'll pray for you later. I mean, how many of you, if you, I mean, if, 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 if you hurt your ribs, you didn't want to try and pull your ribs out or anything, you went to the hospital and they looked after you, a little bit anyway. Or if you stub your toe or anything, you don't try and cut your toe off just because you stub your toe, for goodness sake. What do you do? You look after yourself. You take care of your body so that it, it functions properly. You know, you do whatever you can. And and as we get a bit older, it just starts to get a little bit more difficult, doesn't it? We've got to take a little bit extra care. But the fact is that these people within this church here today, if they know and love Jesus as Lord and Saviour, they're part of the body and you need them and they need you. You can't do without one another as much as some of you would think, well, I wish I could, but you can't. Because God has put us all together. I mean, I know what it's like. I used to you know, run a church and, and have all these people come to church and, 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 and they were part of the body. <laughs> yes, well, some of them, well, you think maybe they should be some of the secret parts that are hidden and you don't see them too much. <laughs> Who knows? But God has a purpose and plan, you see, and this is what... God has done by bringing us together as the body and the purpose for the church is to bring honour and glory to Jesus. And the whole world will know that we are God's disciples or Jesus' disciples if we love one another. 
And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And he even went to the point of washing the feet of of Judas. Huh? That's something, isn't it? You ever thought about that? That's scary. But we come back to Jesus. All of God's fullness, everything that God is, has taken a permanent position in Christ. So all God's qualities and activities, his spirit, his word, his wisdom and his glory are perfectly displayed in Christ. So with this in mind, because of what Christ accomplished on the cross through his death and then through his resurrection, everything was brought back into right relation with God the Father. Isn't that good? So through sin of Adam and Eve, there was separation from God. And that occurred and the earth became, was cursed because of that sin. But the Bible says that all things now have been reconciled to God. All things on earth, things in heaven and peace has come through the blood of Jesus. So even though we disinherited and disowned by God because of our ungodly behaviour in every area of our lives and made ourselves enemies of God by not keeping the commandments... And what's the first one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And have we kept that? No. So the Bible says if we can't keep that first commandment, we're sinners. And if we can't keep the first one, well, it's bad as if not keeping any of them. Because Jesus went on to say, and the second one is like it. You shall love Neighbour as yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. We failed. We have failed. And so as far as God is concerned, we're condemned by our sin. Separated from God. But God through Jesus, his death and his resurrection, as we believe, have been brought back into that right relationship with God again. Made friends with God. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Isn't that amazing that God has brought us back? And and we read even just last week where we can cry out, Abba, Daddy. That's how close we can come to our relationship with Christ. And the Bible tells us that we can come boldly into the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus has done what he came on earth to do, and that is to bring men and women back into right relationship with God. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing Jesus we have. What an amazing Holy Spirit we have that can work in our hearts and lives and help us to come back to understand who Jesus really is, and to give him glory. So he has made peace and restored us into that right relationship. Not only that, I I find this hard to understand at times, but it says he has declared us to be holy in his sight. How many people feel very holy this morning? You don't feel it, do you? Because you know your heart. You know what you like. 
But if you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, as far as God is concerned, he's removed your guilt, your shame, your sin, as far as the east is from the west. And it's like he's thrown your sin into the deepest ocean and put up a sign, no fishing. Because I know that some of us go fishing and remember some of those horrible things that we've done. And if we don't do the fishing, the old devil does and say, look, look, this is what you're like. And I'll say, yes, that's exactly what I was like. But the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses me from all sin. And if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to what? Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Isn't he a good God? Isn't he a wonderful saviour? No wonder we can praise him. No wonder we can uh, just exalt his name. So, as it was already read, we must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. So don't drift away from the assurance you've received when you heard and responded to the good news of Christ. My last statement. If you haven't yet responded to this good news of salvation and freedom from sin and the influence of it in your life, today's a good day to do that. And you can become a child of God and you can be forgiven and be made clean and right and come into right standing with God again. You could do that today if you've never done that before. Talk to somebody afterwards, the folk that are out here to pray at the end. You can talk to them and ask them, how can you do that? And I'm sure they'd only be too glad to help you come to that understanding. God bless you. Thank you.